to the USA Hockey Podcast, a youth sports conversation focused on providing players, coaches, and parents with engaging and informative content that they can use at home and at the rink. Tune in as we chat with some of the greatest people around ice hockey and youth sports. Join the discussion on Twitter at USA Hockey Coach. Now, let's drop that puck. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of the USA Hockey Podcast. If this is your first episode, welcome in. My name is Zachary Nowak, and I will be your host today. Today, we have a wonderful episode with Caitlin Parker, who is currently working with the Seattle Kraken. This episode, we talk about Caitlin's youth hockey story all the way through coaching and now what she is doing to grow hockey and develop players through the Kraken. Stick around to the end as Caitlin shares some tips about how you can do the same in your area. So, in the spirit of Seattle hockey, let's get cracking and start the show. Uh, so, welcome back, everyone. I'm very excited to welcome on our next guest, uh, former player and captain at Colgate University, assistant coach at Brown and then UConn, and now a part of the player development staff with the Seattle Kraken. Welcome on, uh, Caitlin Parker. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat hockey today. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll get right into it. And this is a youth sports podcast. We're focused around uh, development and players, coaches, and parents. So uh, I would love to get this thing started by hearing the Caitlin Parker youth hockey or youth sports experience. Ah, uh, that's a it's a, a long journey, I think, to get to where I'm currently sitting now. But I grew up in Bellingham, Washington. So for those that are familiar with this greater Seattle area, it's about two hours north of the city and very close to the border, the British Columbia border right up there. And um, ever since I can remember, sports have been a huge part of my life. I think um, probably to save my parents sanity a little bit, they put me in just about everything. And I have an older brother. So being the younger one, I always wanted to try to keep up with him and do whatever he was doing. And um, I think that helped jumpstart my athletic career and journey and did everything from my first sport of snow skiing, downhill snow skiing, to ice hockey, to soccer, to basketball, to taught track and field days, um, and pretty much gave a lot of different sports a try. And um, so athletics and sports have always been part of my life. I think the biggest one that I wasn't great at was swimming. I just couldn't get the dive off the blocks in. It was more of a belly flop situation for me all the time. So, and to be honest, I, I usually went to the pool in the mornings for the donuts. So it wasn't the, the best probably drive there, but, um, yeah, I, I was very fortunate to be involved in hockey. Um, my neighbor growing up played in the NHL and he had five kids that were roughly right around my age and one that was my brother's age. and um, to help with carpooling and um, other sports involvement and make our lives easier. He asked if I wanted to try playing hockey and skating. And so Ben Carly and I all started our kind of hockey journey together and um, started skating and, and eventually fell in love with the sport and played um, co-ed hockey growing up. There was only two girls within our greater association and um, basically had the same group of, of players as I progressed through that youth cycle and was playing a lot of other sports as I was doing that. And then, um, got to a point in, uh, my hockey career where I was traveling up to Canada and traveling down to Seattle and, um, and thought that this was something that I was really passionate about and wanted to see where this sport could take me and, um, had a drive to, to try to play the ultimate goal of division one hockey. And, um, so, at my junior year of high school, I actually left home and went to prep school 
um, in the Midwest at Gilmore Academy and played my junior and senior year there um, and was very fortunate to have an incredible experience at Gilmore and uh, learned a lot, learned how to do my own laundry on my own, which was great. And, um, but, and it was able, it allowed me to elevate my game and, um, take it to a different level. And they had a gym there and two rinks and, um, just a lot of different opportunities as well as my education. I was being pushed in different ways that, um, I hadn't been before in time management while you're on the road and, um, playing at a high level and then managing all that. And, I'm very lucky that I was then recruited to go play college hockey division one at Colgate university. And I'm very thankful for all the people, probably most importantly, my parents and my brother to allow me to kind of take this leap of faith to, to make it and, um, and be able to live out my childhood dream of playing college hockey. Yeah, that's really cool. And actually, I, I don't know if you know, but Gilmore is right down the road from me. It's about, uh, I don't know, like probably like 25 minutes away from me. So uh, very familiar with the campus. It is beautiful. It's awesome. Um, you talked about you played lots of sports growing up and then uh, kind of eventually settled in with hockey, as you said, that that was kind of your passion. So can you tell me a little bit about how did that help you uh, when you got to hockey, playing so many different sports growing up? And how do you think that impacted you in your future? Yeah, no, it it definitely helped. I think one of the biggest pieces it helped is every sport is a little bit different, but at the the heart of it, they're all very similar. You're trying to steal a ball or a puck or um and play against an opponent to try to score another goal or a point more than the other people and so I think it it's putting you in a different situation basically with other constraints or rules around it and you're problem solving at everything that you do and I think the more that you can do that in different spaces and environments, the greater that it just helps you develop the intelligence piece of games and and also just trying to figure out ways to beat the game in a way or beat your opponent. And um, and from an athletic standpoint, it teaches you to be an overall athlete. And at a young age, how to move your body, um, how to squat, how to kick a ball, how to run, um, like growing into kind of your 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 physical strengths and weaknesses and it exposes different things too on that, that aspect as well. And, um, I think it's just so beneficial. And then, um, from a social perspective, you're interacting with so many more people if you're playing on different teams or different settings and different coaches. And, um, it's really the first time in a young athlete's life that they're being exposed to different coaching styles. They don't even realize it, but they're being exposed to how one coach may use a certain language to explain, a basic drill or system that you're wanting to play in. And then you go to, maybe it's the ice rink next and they're using a different language to explain a different drill, but at the heart of it, it may be talking about very similar things. And I think that allows players and kids to expand on their knowledge base while also keeping it super fun um, because it's all kind of masked and hidden within this, this greater game aspect. So um, for me, I think it, it definitely helped fuel that and everything was a little different. So it was never the same where it's like, man, the monotony's there and you get that kind of um, the boredom factor comes in. But so I think by continuously to shift around different sports was a huge benefit to, to me and my development as a young athlete. Well, and I'd imagine that that boredom piece 
we often hear about kids playing too much of us or doing too much of a certain thing, not just necessarily hockey, but doing too much of a certain thing. And they kind of burn out right a little bit. And you talked about how much you were, you had a passion for hockey, but I'd imagine that if it was hockey, hockey, hockey all the time, you maybe be kind of like, man, I'm a little bit sick of this, but um, maybe not. And, and some are, work just fine in that, but um, I'd imagine being able to sample lots of different sports helped you kind of feel like this was a little bit new. This was a little bit fresh whenever you came back to hockey. And that's really interesting. You talk about the different coaching styles. That's not something that I had ever considered within uh, sampling different sports and being a part of different sports, but you're absolutely right because in soccer, they're going to explain something differently than in basketball, than in hockey. And uh, so that's really really cool. I love that a lot. And so another thing you talked about in your um, talking about your past with your youth hockey experience that I found interesting that I know a lot of uh, female hockey players somewhat struggle with is that decision to go and play co-ed hockey or to play all girls hockey. And while for you, that may have been a little bit easier because you said there wasn't many options in the area. Can you kind of talk through maybe some of the things that uh, female hockey players go through in those decisions? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And and I think it's, it's one of those things that everyone wants a cookie cutter, perfect answer. And um, the magic eight ball that if you do this, then your path leads to this and your path leads to that. And that's just not the reality of sport ever. Um, and so for me personally, it was one growing up and just geographically located. That was the option I had. And and it worked. And I was very fortunate that the the boys that I played with um, were really accepting and basically made me one of their own. Like we were all in this hockey family together and our coaches were awesome too. It didn't matter um, that I was a girl or that we had girls on our team. It was, we are a team and that's how we're going to play. So I think I was very fortunate to have that experience and be in that environment as well. Um, but it, it's hard and, and it's it's something that I can relate my experience onto and what I gained from that. But um, I don't think there's a clear path on if someone needs to play girls only hockey or boys only hockey. I think it's really dependent on where that player is um, at the time in their, their kind of their sports journey or their hockey journey and um, what's best for their development. And maybe looking, taking a step back, it might be best for their development from a social perspective to play with the same gender, or it might be better for their athletic development to play co-ed or to play a year up in a specific gender. And I think that's the piece that is the most challenging for some players is where do they fit and what's that, that path for them. And the reality of it is they're probably going to make a mistake within that. And that's totally okay because every mistake and um, adversity that they face is a learning opportunity as well within that and, and time to correct it. And, and those are going to help shape who they become and the athlete that they become later on down their journey. And they'll probably look back and be thoughtful and say, yep, that was a good experience that I had that now versus, or then versus now. And, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a challenge to figure out what's the best. And it can be so many different factors from geographical location to what the skill set is within your region to, um, how do you get challenged? What's a safe environment to learn in? Um, there's all those different aspects that I think the, the player as well as the family need to take into consideration when making decisions to play co-ed or, or to play um, 
a gender specific hockey team. Yeah, it's I, I know that that's not necessarily something I've had a ton of experience in, and even just working with female hockey. So um, I know that that it but that is something that a lot of girls go through and a lot of questions that they have. And I think you laid it out perfectly that each situation is going to be different. And it depends on where you need to develop as a person, whether it is socially, um, whether it is, you know, sport specific or, or whatever, whatever else it is. And it sounds like you had uh, a great group of coaches and a great group of kids that you played with. And it seemed like a, a pretty good fit and you felt comfortable there and uh, in developing. So that's really cool. And then. So you went on, uh, played a little bit of college hockey over at Colgate, was a captain, and then you took not very long, but you took some time away from hockey after graduation and what some would call the real world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you came quickly back in. So can you tell me a little bit about what brought you back into hockey? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I graduated and was thinking I should get an adult job and um, join the real world. And And in my mind, I had a certain... Um, I guess, vision of what that looked like um, and what I thought or deemed was success as you're freshly out of college and you're you're moving into this kind of new chapter of your life. And um, I was totally wrong, <laughs> um, which actually served as such a beneficial thing. And I'm a firm believer that you, everything happens for a reason. And um, so, yeah, I was very, very wrong. So for uh quick stint of my life. I was an energy broker. Um, and it was great. I learned a lot on that path, but it just was not for me. And, um, I was looking to get back in the game. And at the time I was actually helping out with a, a youth organization in the greater Boston area and just serving as kind of a volunteer coach, helping out with a couple of skill sessions there. Um, but it was a, it was a part of my life that you don't realize how much you miss something until you don't do it every day. Um, and it was, it's crazy. You just, you forget about it and then you get back on the ice and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And it brings you so much joy and happiness. And I was very fortunate that the opportunity at Brown university came up. And, um, again, I have unbelievable people in my corner that support me and, um, got a chance to interview there and, um, was lucky enough to be offered the job. And it was night and day to where I probably was at, in this other role that I was having to then being able to be back in the rink and back on the ice and, and mentoring young student athletes and, and something that I'd really recently just gone through and um, kind of a surreal experience when you're coaching in the league that you had just graduated in and, and had been learning about for four years prior to that. So um, yeah, very lucky. And, and it was, yeah, it was a total shift. And I think my mentality and um, just my being of, I didn't realize how much was missing in, in terms of loving coming to work every day. And then all of a sudden it was like a spark was reignited. And so very, very lucky that I was able to find it relatively quickly um, after maybe have, having lost it from graduation to that little stint there in the, the, the real world and then back into college athletics. Yeah, that's, uh, that was pretty funny. I just, I saw it was like three, four months you were there and, and it was right back in. And it's just something about uh, hockey when, when you're so passionate about it. It's just, I, I love how you put it that you, getting back to, you love showing up every day to work and you love what you do. And 
I mean, I know it's the cliche, you don't work a day of your life if you love what you do. And it's, um, but it is pretty cool. And it sounds like you're kind of moving into, obviously you, you did some coaching there for a little bit, but then, um, now you've been here for about a year and a half here with Seattle. Um, and so you've changed into this, this new position with player development and, Obviously, you're really close to home now, uh, about what two you said two hours, correct? Yeah, a little less than two hours. So it's been super fun just being close to my family for the first time in a lot of years that I wasn't on this coast even. So, yeah. Yeah, I, and I bet that's pretty amazing. But can you just tell me in general about your experience thus far with the Kraken? Yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey. And, and I use the word journey just because I feel like we're we're on this journey and navigating when you have your inaugural season and um, you're wearing different hats than maybe you initially thought that you were going to be wearing. Um, and you're just everyone's working together in the organization to make something incredible happen. Um, and the best part about this org is everyone's willing to help and everyone's so passionate about this team, about this franchise and, and the potential for it. And, um, so it's been an incredible journey. It's been busy. Um, there's a lot of lifts that, that go on behind closed doors that many people, unless you're in it, don't realize that are happening, but, um, yeah, it's been super, super fun. So right now, what my day to date and my task with is, um, I sit on a, an awesome team with a uh, hockey director, Martin Halinka, another player development coach, David Min, and then our kind of hockey operations registration specialist, Andrew Burnbridge. And, um, that's our youth hockey team. And we, we work on programming everything that happens out of the NHL training facility from a youth side. Um, so we are involved in a lot of different avenues and in, in creating different spaces and programs that help accelerate um, hockey here. And um, that's anywhere from grassroots development all the way through um, our oldest team right now in our buildings, uh, 14U. And um, yeah, so it, it's been a, it's been fun. And, and then within that, we support the organization in other different avenues. So um, whether it's with our partnerships, if they, they need an on ice coach or someone to go help, we're always willing to do that. And um, yeah, it's, it's been super fun. And, um, and now being involved a little bit in helping bring the rivalry series and, and being on the side of that and what that's going to bring for women's hockey in Seattle is, is just incredible. So um, it's fun. It's, it's been a challenge. It's been a learning experience, but very, very grateful to be here and, and just be in an organization that really cares and is passionate because when you're surrounded by passionate people, really, really amazing things tend to happen. Yeah. And so you touched a little bit on just obviously Seattle is a newer team and you grew up in the area. What was hockey like in Seattle prior to the crack and coming in, uh, coming in? Yeah, um, to be completely transparent, I was a Vancouver Canucks fan. <laughs> um, and that's just the geographical relevant. It's it's closest to my house. And um, that was the team that my neighbor played for. And, and growing up, my favorite hockey player was Trevor Linden, which that's probably a throwback name for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so it's that was the the major NHL team that we watched. My my dad was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan, so we tended to watch those games too. And um, and then within the region, there's a number of WHL teams that we'd go down and watch the Everett Silvertips or the Seattle Thunderbirds. So there was exposure to that next level of hockey, um, but just not at the NHL level, ex unless going to the Canucks games um, up north. But 
um, there is, there is, and has been hockey in Seattle for a really long time. And, and I think that history is deep rooted as well. And, and many, many, many years ago, the Metropolitans were here. And so tapping into that hockey history a little bit, um, I think has given our franchise just a great platform to continue to, to continue to develop that, um, that avenue and, and also showcase that, wow, there's actually has been some really great hockey happening in this region and, and highlighting those teams that maybe didn't get highlighted as much as they should have, have gotten highlighted. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun and learning even more about the region and hockey history as well, too. Yeah. And so do you think that that helps, obviously you, you alluded to it a little bit that it has helped Seattle with the, um, the Kraken kind of having a, a little bit of a hockey background. And I, I believe you said kind of a platform for them to, to build off of. So with that said, what are some of the initiatives that you and your group are looking to dive into to either help grow the game or help build development within your region? Yeah, so we um we're very fortunate. We have a an extensive NHL Learn to Play series that um we partner with the the NHLPA to bring um this program to the our rink and and hopefully be able to expand that outside of just our rink as well and um but the nhl learn to play program series so any kid that passes out of learn to skate is eligible for it in ages five to nine um and with the cost of the registration for the eight-week class they get a free set of gear so head to toe skates stick elbow pads helmet and they get fitted for it it gets shipped directly to their house and um and that's all included in that initial cost. So as you know, hockey gear is really expensive and, and that's oftentimes a financial um obstacle that families have to really hurdle to be able to access the sport. Um so being able to have some uh, or be involved in that initiative to to alleviate that initial financial burden has been awesome and, and seeing the amount of growth of kids that come through that. And then are wearing the gear and they get a jersey with the S on it. So immediately they feel part of this Kraken family. And and I think that's important not only to build hockey players, but to build fans as well. And, and it makes Seattle their team. And it is their team. And uh, starting at a young age and and then this young player gets to play and experience the sport. And then they get to go watch the sport on TV or go to a game and and I think that initiative has been awesome. And um, and then before we actually had our ice in in uh, the Kraken Community Iceplex, we went around the state and and hosted try hockey for freeze with other associations that were in the greater Washington area. And and that was awesome just to be able to meet and interact with a bunch of different people. And and like we've talked about before, just hockey brings everyone together and, and to have that common interest within the game and um, to be able to try to kickstart them, especially after COVID, that was the first year and um, bringing families back to the rink and, and trying to help not only spread the brand, but then also help those associations really get a jump start into their season as they welcomed people back into rinks when many of them had been shut down for the the lockdown for a while. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of kind of growing the game initiatives and yeah. even kind of what you're saying with um, with everyone coming back from COVID and just bringing everyone kind of back together. And um, I love that idea of being able to get those kids that that free gear. Right. Because you bring up a really good point about hockey is not necessarily 
uh, the cheapest of sports, right? And so um, I love that you guys are doing that kind of in an effort almost to obviously grow the game, but it also brings um, different groups of people into hockey because oftentimes the cost to play can be a barrier for families and in, especially in, in different areas. So with that said, do you feel like that's kind of a goal for you guys is to break down some of those barriers within the area to uh, grow the game and, and make it a little bit more inclusive to all? Yeah. And, and I think for us, we really want to make sure that hockey is a place for everyone and it is a place for everyone. And this organization, this franchise is everyone's team, regardless of if they have an extensive hockey background, no hockey background, um, where they grew up from, their gender, their race, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's something that's super important to us and just making the game more accessible. And making the game more accessible doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be on the ice and they're going to play AAA hockey and they're going to play for the Kraken one day. And I do think we will have people that will accomplish that. Um, but it also means that we're able to put sticks in kids' hands at schools and go talk about the game and teach the game and and being able to just educate more people on how great hockey is and how vast it can be and and just create lifelong fans of the game and um it's it's been something that's been a challenge in that regard because there's so much work to do but it's also been so rewarding as well because when you see a kid um that it comes through learn to skate that is part of our financial aid. And then all of a sudden they're in the NHL learn to play program and they're, we're still able to support them through financial aid. And now they're experiencing it and the joy that they have. It's, it's one of those things that is um, you can't really put into to words how cool that is and um, trying to continue to break down those barriers. And I think too, we're very lucky that we get to host the rivalry series or be part of that stop and um, have probably, you know, Team USA and Team Canada, some of the the best female athletes come in our building. And, and that to me opens up an even another avenue of trying to diversify, diversify the game and um, and what that's going to bring and inspire maybe the little girl that thinks she shouldn't play hockey. And all of a sudden she's seeing it live and how fast it is and how um, just beautiful that that game is. And, and now she wants to try. And so we're, we're now, I guess, opening the, the game to even more eyes and people in, in different avenues of, of life. Yeah. I love that you talk about, it's not just about the kids that are going to end up going and playing AAA. It's about getting people just to love the sport of hockey. And last week, actually, uh, I had Chi Yin Sei on with the Minnesota Whitecaps. And I know you're familiar with him as well. And he talked about the same thing. He said, maybe it's just getting a kid that wants to get involved with being a video coach or maybe a kid that wants to become a broadcaster and just getting them to love the sport. And maybe it's just getting them to, to be a fan of the sport of hockey. And, and it's not necessarily about growing all of the players on the ice, but just growing the game and making everyone feel like they can be a part of it and make an impact in it. So I thought that that piece that was really, really cool and something that I hadn't really thought of prior to that. And, um, it is true because even myself being close and I told this story last time, but um, our program, the college program here was actually started by someone who just wanted something to broadcast. And, yeah. you know, so it's um, potentially having those impacts down the line. So I think that that's 
pretty cool. And it sounds like you guys as a, as a staff are doing a lot. And I know that's, that's somewhat specific to your area. Um, so for coaches and organizations that might be listening, what are some ways that they can help grow the game uh, back at home? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is just getting involved, um, getting involved at the grassroots level, seeing how organizations and associations are developing um, their practice plans and what it looks like for them. What does development mean for them? And and being involved, if that's a volunteer setting um, and at the grassroots level, I think you see a lot and you see how this is starting to function and what it builds to. And, um, and then seeing it through, whether that's their, their mighty might program or their, um, their youth program, or if they have AAA, like what does that road lead to? Um, and I think that helps give people a better sense of what goes into it. It's a lot of work and there's a lot of people that give up a lot of time and energy and effort to make something super special for these kids and families. And so being involved is so important. I think the more people that are passionate about the game of ice hockey that are then involved in the youth spectrum is like, you can't go wrong because those are the people that then ignite the passion and have such a, a dramatic impact on maybe a young player's life and, and their hockey career. And, um, wherever that might lead them to. And and I think that's something so important is um, that leadership to just taking the initiative to it is so important to create the leaders of tomorrow through sport. Um, and I think that helps grow the game everywhere. And, um, and also to realize that growth and development takes a lot of time. It's not a light switch process. Everyone, I think we live in a, a society that everything's here and now, but development takes time and it comes on a, a bumpy road sometimes as well. And, um, you know, there's going to be moments of challenges, but there's going to be also a lot of moments of triumphs too. And, um, and being a part of that is, is super important and, um, and, and seeing that through as well. And, um, that helps regions grow. It helps associations grow and, um, and realizing that, it might take five years to be where you your vision wants you to be, but um, the journey is going to be awesome along the way as well. Yeah, and even if it's just you know one kid at a time, right? And maybe you start something brand new, and you only got five kids involved in it. That's you know five new kids that you have, and yeah. maybe it maybe it builds from there. And you alluded to it now a little bit here, talking about development. So let's say numbers are good. We have a lot of good initiatives going. Uh, in terms of growing the game, we have a lot of kids in our sport now thinking about coaches and organizations wanting to focus on on developing their players that they have. What are some things that they can do right now to help develop the youth as an athlete and as a person? Oh, that's the million dollar question, Zach. I think um, I think it's it's not linear. Development's not linear. And we talked about that. It, it can be so great one day and like you can have phenomenal flawless practice in your coach's lens. And then the next day it's like your players forgot everything and you as a coach forgot everything. And it's just totally opposite of what you felt. And um, I think it's, it's finding ways in those moments to push through in terms of teaching moments. Right. And this is, um, adversity happens and this is how we handle it. And, and oftentimes I think in youth sports, um, it, it's adversity is not dealt with. Like 
hard is something that happens all the time. And um, the Duke women's basketball coach, I think, said it best is handle hard better. Um, And I think that's something that today's athletes need to realize today's coaches need to realize that it's hard to be perfect and no one's ever going to be perfect. We're all chasing this idea of that and, and chasing ways to continuously to get better. But along that, there's going to be a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys that comes with it. And, and, um, that's the beauty of sport because that all aids in development. If you, if you always have good days, someday it's going to be raining. And if you live in Seattle, a lot of the days it's raining, but, um, no, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that, Hey, how can we turn this into a positive thing? How can we use this as a learning opportunity? And it may not happen to this player right now, but maybe when they are playing junior hockey or they're playing college hockey or professional hockey, they may get scratched or they may not play the minutes that they want to play. And, but we as coaches and developers have given them the tools to deal with when that happens and to be able to have conversations with adults when that happens. And, and so I think that as we think about development, we're thinking about developing the player as a whole. And yes, X's and O's are super important. But remember, there's a lot more life lessons that come through sport and through hockey um, at the rink um, than just teaching a forecheck or teaching a drill. Um, and it's supposed to be fun along the way. And that's a huge piece of it, I think, is if you're having fun and fun is winning, fun is getting better, fun is being challenged. I think it's not always the definition that it's it's perfect and fun is everything comes easy. No, like fun is getting outside that box a little bit and continuing to push your skill set, put players in situations that might not be the most comfortable, but then they get comfortable in those situations. So when it happens in a game, they're prepared. And um, to me, I think it's it's so important to develop themes and concepts that are important. It's not necessarily a strict forecheck or a strict PK. Like give your players the tools to be able to think. So when you're not there or they move on, because that's the goal is you always want your players to outgrow you as a coach. And um, when they continuously to move on throughout their journey, that you've given them tools so that they're prepared when another coach develops them and, and starts to challenge where they're at. And I think that's, that's so it's hard to do, but it's, it's also so rewarding when you, you realize, and you look back that um, you had an impact on someone's life and it can be something super small or it can be something really big. So um, yeah, for me, I think that's development in a nutshell, how I view it. And it's not perfect by any means, but um, it's striving to just get better every single day. Yeah. And I, I love the way that you talk about fun. I think, uh, Heather Mannix who worked on the fun maps yeah. would be shedding some happy tears right now, the way that you just described it. So, um, yeah, cause it is fun to work hard. It is fun to, de- you know, to develop yourself. It is fun to, to work with your teammates and work through challenges. So I, I think that's a really, really cool way to put it. And I think you, you knock the development question really out of the park there because it is, it is true. Like X's and O's are great. A four check is great, but you know, it's what are they doing after they leave you? Uh, and I'd imagine your time coaching college, you get to see it, that almost as a direct result because they're going on to the real world oftentimes and they're going to get some big boy, big girl jobs. And you know, what, what are they going to do 
Uh, how are they going to battle through the adversity of the interview process of not getting selected of maybe they have a, you know, a tough boss. And if you didn't challenge them as a person, how are they going to be able to battle through this stuff? If this is new for them, they're going to have a really tough time once the real world hits. So, um, yeah. And it's, it's too, I think it's just as important for the players as their parents, because parents go through this journey alongside their players as well, regardless of if you're at the youth level or the college level, um, that's who the kids turn to and, and who are heavily involved within their life. And, and I think as a parent, letting your child go through that is super important too, because when they are in interviews, I hope mom and dad's not next to them in the interview. Um, but, and it, it's, it's allowing them to experience their journey for themselves. And, and you're the support pillar and you're that foundation that is always there supporting them. And um, that's all easier said than done, I'm sure. But um, allowing your child to go through that and, and it's going to be okay at the end of the day too. And, and as long as your kid loves coming to the rink, your coaches have done something and you're doing something to support them that is going to take your child to incredible places and meet incredible people through the game. Yeah, that's really, really, really great. And so you've been involved in kind of how we originally met was through some of these USA hockey events. And I believe it was a, a mid-am camp uh, yeah. that we originally met. And then again, over at player development camp. So you've been involved in a lot of USA hockey stuff throughout your years of coaching and um, how has USA hockey impacted your development as a coach? And what are some things that you have found to be really valuable? Um, it's, it's impacted, I think my development in a lot of different ways. And, and one of those is just connecting you with great people and different hockey minds. And um, as a coach, we're, we're continuously trying to get better because then we can better serve our student athletes or athletes or players. And, um, I think that's one of the things that it does so well. It brings people of various backgrounds together in a setting and surrounding by a common theme, which is we like, we love hockey. Um, and that's how we met at the Kent state at the mid-am camp and, um, and just the amount of people that you get connected with, whether it's a CEP class and you're online and now all of a sudden you're taking a class with someone from a totally different state than you're in or that you are involved in some camps or at the state level. I think um, it's just incredible to meet the people and connections that that the game brings you and that USA Hockey helps facilitate as well. And and then um, I think for me, what I found most valuable is we grow up and we learn the game through a certain lens. And when you get involved in either the camps or that you're um, at uh, a tryout or just in some of the, the continuing education, you're constantly challenged again. How can you change your mode of thinking? And this is how you do it on a daily basis. But have you thought about this? And maybe the answer is yes, and it doesn't work within my frame, but this is why. Or maybe it's no, I haven't. And how do you tweak it? And I think is is you as a coach are thinking that then you're helping your players because now you can go back with this huge set of toolboxes and that's like, Oh, I got to pull this one out or I got to pull this out and I can add this constraint or I can eliminate this constraint or I don't have to put anything within the constraint and see how it goes. And um, it makes you think, and it does it in a safe environment that you can really learn and deep dive and, and have meaningful and valuable conversations with people. And 
And to me, the relationship piece has been extraordinary and so many mentors and people that I've been fortunate enough to work alongside or um, to learn from and still learning from. Um, it's yeah, it's incredible where you can pick up the phone and be like, Hey, what's that one drill and why? And like, have you ever thought about this? And then you're having this conversation and as you know, an hour goes by and you're like, okay, I probably am going to try to practice and we'll see how it goes or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a huge impact. I think on, on my journey as a coach and, and then how I'm able to, um, articulate that to my players as well. Yeah. And it, it kind of what you're talking about here is it, it reminds me of us being at player development camps and we were sitting in that big room and uh, someone, whoever was at the board was presenting some topic, but then we would have hour long discussions that would then carry into dinner and, and carry into late night conversations. And it's not often that the average coach gets to be in some of those situations. And so some things we've seen at some really successful organizations have been, they start to have this, what we would call a community of practice. And it's coaches getting together at their local rink. And maybe you coach a high school team and you're getting together with some youth hockey coaches and maybe getting together with a local college coach. And you just go in there maybe once a month and you just chat about hockey. And it's, um, we're trying to set something up at our local rink here to get that going. And just because I, I have personally found it so valuable yeah. to just sit down and just talk hockey. And a lot of the feedback we've had in our CEP clinics have been coaches love the ability to talk with other coaches from around the country and kind of think to themselves, wow, I cannot believe that they have the same problems that we have over here in Ohio yeah. that, you know, they have over there in, in Washington. And so it's, it's really, really cool to be able to share those ideas. And to your point, it really gets you thinking uh, in, in moving towards that kind of continuing education and things like that. So I love that. That was a really cool piece. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I feel very lucky to have been in some of those conversations. And I think the greatest part about this, I guess, virtual world that we have access to now is you can have those conversations or you can have a Zoom call or coach's corner from many people and many minds and you don't have to be in the same room. And being in the same room, I think, is awesome. But if you can't do it, there's still ways to make that happen, which I love. Yeah, no. Um, so this conversation was awesome. And as much as I feel like we could continue to talk here, our goal for this is to keep it around uh 30, 45 minutes ish, uh, a, you know, a drive to the rink and a drive back and they can listen. So, uh, as much as I would love to keep this going, uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on for part two at some point down the line, but this was an awesome conversation, Caitlin, and I really appreciate you hopping on. And it's been really fun to, to watch your journey going from when I first met you to, to now and doing what you're doing. So, uh, it's a really, really cool, um, kind of story and where you've been. But before we let you go, um, anything else that you would like to share with with the people listening? No, I just uh, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, it, it has been an awesome conversation. And thank you for the work that you're doing, because I think this is highlighting and, and having different people and perspectives on that you're growing the game in, in a different way. And, and I think that's so important, whether it's a kid that listens to this, a parent or a coach that listens to it. And um, I'm super excited to see what comes out of this. So 
thank you for taking the initiative and growing it. And um, I'm excited for the future of of hockey and um, the U.S. and to see where it goes. And I'd love to come back on if you guys if you guys need me to. And um, it's been a, a really fun conversation. So thank you. Well, appreciate it, Caitlin. And uh, I am uh, a diehard Blue Jackets fan, but uh, I will definitely be cheering for the Kraken this year. So I uh, appreciate it again, and we'll see you guys soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for Bjorkstrand. We really appreciate it. <laughs> we miss him here. I can tell you that. Thanks to everyone who made it out this far. That was an awesome conversation with Caitlin. And I love her view on player development in terms of making sure that we are providing players the opportunity to work through tough problems and us as coaches be there to support them along the way. But we do need to give them a little bit of independence and because ultimately they're going to need to solve these problems on their own once they move on from us from whether it's a different coach or just moving on to a, a different job or other things in life. So um, also you heard Caitlin mention the rivalry series over there in Seattle, which just finished up this last week. Looked like an awesome event with a lot of grow the game uh, events going on and ending with a four to two victory for USA in front of what looked like a lot of people. Uh, I believe it was just over 14,000. And it looked like Seattle served as a great host uh, for these events. And obviously, they're always better when USA finishes on top. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening in to another episode. And we look forward to seeing you all in two weeks when we chat with Dave Caruso of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Have a great week and see you all soon. Registration is open for the 2023 USA Hockey Level 5 Coaches Symposium. The Level 5 Coaching Symposium is where aspiring coaches from across the country will gather to attain the highest certification offered by USA Hockey. This year's Coaching Symposium is set for May 4th through the 7th, 2023 at the Seacrest Beach Hotel in Falmouth, Massachusetts. The Level 5 will offer large group and small breakout sessions, giving you the opportunity to explore and apply innovative approaches to coaching. The final list of speakers will feature some of the most accomplished coaches from across the world. We hope to see you there this spring.